And once again, thank you all for being here with us this morning. Uh, we are in the midst of something that we're calling the Jesus Series. And so we started this back in September, and we're going to go through this all the way into early May. And we're using this time as a church to take a look at the life of Jesus in a mostly chronological order so we can get to know him better, to hear Jesus in his own words, to get to know him in his own words, to see what he did, to hear what he said. That's what we're doing here as a church. <clears throat> you see those readings listed in your bulletin? on the back page there. And so you are invited during the course of the week to read these passages from the Gospels about Jesus, and then you show up here on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to tell you about something that you read over the course of that week. And we also have our small group element. You're welcome to jump into a small group and learn more about what you've been reading independently. So this is what we're doing as a church. Now, a lot of you in this room, you know my story. I come from a Christian background. I was a church kid growing up. I went to church when I was a kid because I had no choice. That's how it works when you're a kid. If your parents make you go, you go. And so I went to church as a kid, and I learned a lot of the stuff that I you know, talk about nowadays. And one of the topics that would come up from time to time was something that made me very uncomfortable as a Christian. And sometimes this topic would come up from a sermon. Sometimes this topic would come up in a Sunday school class. And it is the topic of <clears throat> evangelism, evangelism. And it made me uncomfortable as a child and a teenager growing up in a church setting. Now, some of you know what that word means, and what it means is actually a wonderful, beautiful thing. <clears throat> evangelism is sharing the truth about Jesus with other people, being able to say to somebody, hey, God loves you. Hey, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again, and if you, you put your trust in him, you receive eternal life. That's a wonderful thing. That's great. And so why should evangelism feel like such a ugh, negative, burdensome thing? Well, I'll tell you why, and maybe you can relate to this, those of you who are believers grew up, grew up, growing up in a church setting. Sometimes I just felt guilty over this thing, right? I struggle with this combination of, on the one hand, feeling guilty, and then on the other hand, feeling nervous about this issue of evangelism. Feeling guilty because I'm not doing it nearly enough or like at all, right? feeling guilty about it, and then feeling nervous, like, I don't know how to share my faith and talk about Jesus. I mean, like, I barely understand this stuff. How am I supposed to talk to my friends about Jesus? And so feeling that way was very difficult in a church setting, and I know what it's like to have some failed attempts at evangelism. I remember being about 13 years old and being at a sleepover, and it was just the boys, right, hanging out. We walked up to our West Coast video. You guys remember West Coast video? We rented The Fugitive and Dumb and Dumber, and yeah, we've seen Dumb and Dumber lots, but we're going to watch it again, right? So we stay up all night, and we watch these movies, and it's getting late, and somebody's making fun of me for going to church. Oh, Josh is going to church next day, blah, 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 and I start talking about Jesus, and I say, Jesus, just makes your life better. Following Jesus makes your life better. That was my big, bold statement that I made with my friends. And one of my friends says to me, okay, well, let's, let's play this scenario. And I'm walking down the street, and I pick up a rock, and I throw it through a window of somebody's house. How is Jesus going to make my life better in that moment? And I answered, I don't know. And then we went to sleep, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know, right? Is that evangelism, check that box. Hey, I did it. Fantastic. No, I don't know. It's just like those moments come up, and I felt so awkward about it, but I know I'm supposed to do this thing, but I don't know how to do this thing. It's very, it can feel very overwhelming very awkward, very uncomfortable. When I was at Bible college, <clears throat> I took a class on evangelism because I had to. It was a requirement for graduation. So I took this class, and it was actually a fantastic class. And one of the things I learned in this class is that you can, and really should, 
strategize your evangelism efforts. Like, think about the people you want to speak to. Pray for them in advance. Pray for them. Think about what those conversations will look like. Think about what those opportunities will look like. I was like, okay, because for some reason in my mind, I always thought that evangelism was something that was just supposed to happen in the moment. It's like, no, you, can, you should be praying about it and thinking about it and strategizing. Now, if we look to this parable that's in the bulletin today, if we look to this passage that Jesus has to share with us, this story that Jesus tells, it really does speak to evangelism and how it works and how it plays out in real life. And so if you have your Bible with you, if you want to open up your Bible out, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13. And we'll start with that passage that's in your bulletin that Michelle read for us. And so here is Jesus, and he has this opportunity. I'm going to start actually with verse 1, Matthew 13. And Jesus teaches them in stories, and he does this. He's a habit of explaining things to people using these stories, using this figurative language. And so here's what he says. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got in a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And again, growing up in a church setting as a kid, I was very confused about that because I think like a needle and thread sowing is, no, no, like sowing seeds, scattering seeds, right? Some kind of farmer type person, a planter, right? And so this planter, this sower went out to sow seeds. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road. The birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up. But because they had no depth of soil... When the sun had risen, they were scorched because they had no roots, and they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And so far, this sounds like a very unsuccessful sower, an unsuccessful planter. Oh, this just isn't working out, is it? Then we get to this fourth example here. Others, okay, here we go. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some... 30. And so he's not completely unsuccessful, is he, this sower? And some of the seeds get eaten up, some get, you know, have no depth of soil, others get choked out, but some, some of these seeds actually become fruitful. And so Jesus shares the story with this crowd of people, and then he says, he who has ears, let him hear, and walks away. That's it. <laughs> what does any of that mean, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for this lovely little story about this guy, this farmer guy, this sower guy, but what does any of this mean? And so he shares this story with the multitudes, and then the disciples come to him privately. They say, can you explain this for us? What does that actually mean? So let's take a look at the explanation. I'm going to jump to verse 18 here. Words of Jesus. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Okay? So he's like, I've told you this story, and part of the story is the seed lands on the road, birds come and snatch it up. That's what happens when someone hears about the kingdom of God, hears about Jesus, hears about the gospel, and it doesn't take. It just, boop, bounces off. Bounces off. Now, all right, let's keep going, and we'll come back to this. <clears throat> we'll come back to that seat on the road. 
Verse 20. The one on whom the seed was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Okay, well, that sounds great. And yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So there's your explanation. Now, one of the things that that we Christian people do sometimes. We look to the Bible, we look to the Old Testament or the New Testament, and we're trying to apply things into our own lives, and that's great. But before we get to the application, let's appreciate this story in context, what Jesus is doing here. Jesus has just described for us his own life and his own ministry. Jesus is the sower. He's the original sower. And as we make our way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as we make our way through the life of Jesus, we see people respond to Jesus exactly in these ways that he has laid out. And so here is Jesus, the Son of God, speaking truths about the kingdom of God, speaking truths about himself, explaining the gospel. I mean, Jesus entered into this world, explained for us what he was going to do for us, sacrificed himself on that cross for us, comes back after three days, offers us these gifts of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He comes and articulates this message. And for some people, boop, bounces right off. They do not receive the gospel. They do not receive the word about the kingdom. Now, two things about that. It's very sad. It's very sad to think that someone could be face-to-face with Jesus, all right? This isn't like you or me trying to tell somebody about Jesus. This is Jesus telling people about himself, right? It's very sad to think that Jesus could be telling people about himself, and they reject what he has to say. But I tell you, there's also something that's a little bit comforting about this. I mean, to know that, I guess I feel like if people rejected Jesus, when they reject us, like, well, we have that in common with Jesus, right? I mean, we can't expect every time we share news about the kingdom or the gospel, we can't expect it always to be received. I mean, if they rejected Jesus, they're going to reject us at times too. Isn't that, I mean, is it strange for me to say, isn't that somewhat comforting to know? And here's the thing you'll notice about Jesus. When his words are rejected, he's never offended. I've never caught him being offended by, by the rejection. And he's also not surprised because he knows the human heart, and he knows how this works. He entered into this world to tell people the truth. Some people received it, and others, boop, bounces right off, like seed that lands on a road and is snatched away by a bird. And then Jesus talks about this other seed that lands, and people receive it with great joy at first. Hey, this Jesus guy is great. They're very excited, and they're passionate, and they spring up fast. Woohoo, Jesus! Yay for Jesus! But they have no roots. And then some trouble comes along, or persecution, or things get tough, and then they fall away. And this is exactly what happened to Jesus. There were multitudes that followed him. Where were those multitudes when Jesus was on the cross? (laughs) They start to fall away. 
You're going to read in John chapter 6 what happens. I mean, Jesus has this multitude of people who follow him, and he performs this miracle where he gives them all this free lunch. He multiplies the loaves and the fishes, and the people are like, this guy is fantastic. He is healing us. He is loving us. He is feeding us. Yay, Jesus! And then they seek him out the next day, and they say, hey, Jesus, remember how you fed us? That was great. Let's do that again. And Jesus says, no. I'm not here to give you a free lunch. I'm here to save you from your sins. And when people hear that, they leave. I mean, they were excited at first, but then they all leave except for the 12. And so that's the seed that falls in these places where it's shallow soil, it's rocky soil. It just doesn't, it doesn't take roots. So we see this. Again, Jesus is describing himself. He is the sower. And then there's this seed that falls among the thorny places. And what does Jesus say? It's the worries of this life combined with the deceitfulness of wealth. They just choke out that word from being fruitful. Goodness, this happens. It happened in Jesus' day, and it happens today. You know, just a couple weeks ago here, we talked through the Sermon on the Mountain. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. I know you've got all these concerns, and you want to push back and say, well, Jesus, I've got bills to pay, and I've got to go to work, and I've got mouths to feed and all. Jesus, don't worry about those things. Instead, pursue God's righteousness, and God will take care of everything else. But there is a certain deceitfulness of wealth. There's a lie of wealth. And that lie is, if you have enough of it, you'll be safe, right? If you have enough wealth, then you can always be able to pay your bills. If you have enough wealth, you can protect yourself from the troubles of this world. And Jesus says, that's a lie. It's deceitful. No matter how much money you have, there's no amount of money that can protect all of your relationships. Isn't that true? Doesn't matter. There's no amount of money that's going to keep all those relationships intact, and there's no amount of money that's going to protect you from certain illness. Now, you can afford health care, and you can afford doctors, and afford medicine, but there's things that, that money can't protect you from. And money's certainly not going to save you and get you into heaven. You can't write God a check. How much does it cost to get in here? It's not going to work. But we live in this world where we have bills to pay, and we get worried about them. I get it. We're human. I, I get it. We get worried about them. And then we start to believe the lies of wealth. Well, if you just have enough wealth, we'll be safe. That's not how it works. How many times do we need to see this story play out in real life? I mean, it does not work. Jesus tells us in that Sermon on the Mountain, you can serve God or you can serve wealth. But not both. You got to choose one. You can't serve both God and money. I'm going to pursue God and his righteousness, or I'm going to believe the lie of wealth and pursue wealth. That's going to keep me safe. Either God's going to keep me safe, or wealth's going to keep me safe. You can't do both. In Jesus' own life, in his own ministry, there was one of his disciples named Judas. I mean, here we have it. Judas is there with the 12, and, and Judas sees there's this woman who comes before Jesus and takes this jar of expensive perfume. It costs about a year's wages, and she takes this perfume, and she wastes it on Jesus. And Judas and the disciples are thinking, we could have used this money to help people. What are you doing? And Jesus says, what's stopping you from helping people? <laughs> what's stop Am I stopping you from going and, and taking care of the poor? Nothing's stopping you. And then Judas gets it in his mind that this man that he's been following must not be from God. And he goes and he meets with the Sanhedrin. And you know what he says to them? He says, what will you give me for him? 
what will you give me if I turn him into you? I've sacrificed so much to follow this guy. Now I don't believe he's who he claimed to be. What will you give me? They said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. He says, done deal. The deceitfulness of wealth, that will keep me safe. No, it won't. So this is Jesus, his own life, his own experiences as the sower, watching different people respond to him in different ways. And then, oh, the story ends on an upbeat note. And then there's the seed that falls on the good soil, and it takes root, and it produces a crop. And after Judas has left, you think of the leaven that remain, and they produce that wonderful crop, and they go on to tell people about Jesus, and they multiply, and they multiply, and they produce all of this good fruit. There's our happy ending. It does take, right? Now, Jesus, he knows a person's heart. He knows what's going to happen when, they, when he shares that good news, when he scatters those seeds. We don't know. We just do our best to share the seeds, to scatter those seeds. We don't know how somebody's going to respond. But if we do it often enough, we have a chance of it actually taking root. So, I've got a question for you Christian people out there, right, for you believers. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure where you stand on this stuff, if you're not a believer or if you're not sure if you're a believer or not, guess what? I got good news for you. You're off the hook on this one, right? But for those of you, for those of you who are Christians, who are believers, I want you to ask yourself this question, all right? Of these four scenarios, which one of these four do you want to play out in your life? Do you want to be like the seed that falls on the soil and it's snatched away? Do you want to be like the seed that has no roots and then it just withers away as soon as persecution comes? Do you want to be like the seed that gets choked out by the worries of this light? the lies of wealth, or do you want to be fruitful? Now, clearly, these are leading questions, yes? And you're all supposed to say, yes, pastor, we want to be fruitful, right? That's the polite answer to the question. But I want to, I want to get beyond just being polite and get real. Do you actually want to be fruitful? Think about that. Do you want to produce good fruit? Do you want to share the gospel? Do you want people to respond to it? Is that something you want? If it's not, then let me tell you, you can just kind of tune out the rest of the sermon because I'm going to talk about how to be more fruitful, but you just have to be honest with yourself. If you want to be fruitful, you can be. There are things that you can do to help you produce more fruit. And I'm telling you, like, I can't make you want to be fruitful, right? I can't give you that desire, but it's something that we should possess, a desire to be fruitful. You know, some of us in this room, we know what it's like to share the gospel with someone and to have them receive Christ and to see them grow in their faith and to see them multiply themselves. Like, that's wonderful. When you think about all the things that you do in this world and all the things that we work for in this world and all the things that would just fade away and have no eternal value. But when we share the gospel and someone receives it and their life changes, that, that has eternal value. And so... If you want to be fruitful, let me give you some ideas of what you can do. Again, if you don't want to be fruitful, tune me out. If you want to be fruitful, here are some things that you can do. You have to strengthen your roots. That's the first category. You have to strengthen your own roots. If you want to be fruitful, you have to strengthen your own roots. You got that, note takers? I see you getting that down. Strengthen your own roots. How do you do that? I'll give you three ways to strengthen your roots. Are you ready? You're going to like the first one. The first one is this. Show up at a worship service, right? That's one way you can strengthen your roots. 
You've all got that. I mean, Jesus doesn't give out gold stars, but if he did, boom, you got one for today. You're here. How about that? You're doing it. You're strengthening your own roots by being here. You know, back before the pandemic, if you look at the state of the church in Delaware County and all throughout the country, and there's so many Christians who had deprioritized worship. Right? I don't need to show up anywhere on a Sunday morning. It's not that big a deal. And it has gotten significantly worse post-pandemic. What you're doing here this morning is so countercultural. It's wonderful that you're here. Thank you. But we who are believers, we need to make worship a priority in our lives. It has to be. I mean, how, how casually some of us Christians, oh, I don't really need to worship God. Really, it's God. It's an opportunity to worship Him together, and that's something that we need to prioritize. And so one of the things that we can do to strengthen our roots is prioritize worship. Come in this space. Worship God in this space. That's one thing that we can do. What's something else that we can do to strengthen our roots? I'm glad you asked. Well, show up at one of these small groups. I mean, we're facilitating. We're making them available for you. Show up at a small group. Ladies, what you doing tomorrow night? There's a women's group that meets right next door at Hope House. Come on out. Talk about Jesus. Get to know each other. Ladies, I got good news for you. We are a click-free church. How about that? Praise God for that. No clicks in our church. Woo! Yeah, you can clap for that. I saw one person start to clap. It's a click-free church. Now, I know you don't have to be best friends with every single person in this church, but come on out. If you're thinking, well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's going to be awkward, and there's people there. Yeah, it's going to be awkward, okay? I don't know if I want to go out on Monday night. There might be some weird people there. There probably will be weird people there. That's just how it works, okay? But it's a fruitful experience. It helps us grow and strengthen our roots. Come on out. Spend some time with your fellow ladies of the church and get to know one another and get to know Jesus. And if you're thinking, I can't make Monday nights, I've got good news for you. You can come tonight instead. Tonight's the adult group. Ladies, gentlemen, singles, couples, all welcome to come out tonight. It's a small group. Gentlemen, Wednesday nights, come on out to small group. Come on out. Same thing I said to the ladies. Uh, what if it's going to be awkward? Yeah, it'll probably be a little awkward. What if there are weird people there? Yes, there will. I mean, I'm there. So there, yeah, I can guarantee you there will be some weird people there. But come on out. This helps us strengthen our roots. You know, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was just last week, I did a little bit of a joke. Let's do a competition between the ladies and the men. Who can come out to the small group? Who, what, which group's going to have the bigger numbers? Let me tell you something right now. Youth are beating all of us adults, percentage-wise, all right? We're getting like over 70% of the youth are showing up in youth group. So they're winning this contest, okay? So if you want to get competitive, let's take on the teenagers, right? Who's with me, right? But come on out to these small groups. Make that Make that a priority. If you can't attend women's group or men's group, then come on out Sunday night or come out Tuesday night for a prayer group. Come on out. Spend some time praying with your fellow believers. And so ways that you can strengthen your roots, show up at worship, show up at small group, make these things a priority. You know what else you can do to strengthen your roots? Uh, some of you already know. This is such a pastory thing to say. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Read your Bible. What are you doing? Right? Again, the goal of this year was to make things as easy for you as possible. You've got a list of readings for this week, and maybe you're thinking, you know, I haven't really been doing these Jesus series readings. All right, we'll start tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Just start, just start tomorrow. All the readings are listed in your bulletin. They're very short. They're manageable, right? They're very manageable. Just read the Bible. Prioritize worship, prioritize small group, and read the Bible. 
Strengthen your roots. What do you want? It's a formula that's been around forever, right? We're not inventing anything new here. Here's how you strengthen your roots. And strengthening your roots will make you more fruitful. The other thing you can do, apart from strengthening your roots, is be intentional about scattering seed. Scatter those seeds, the word of the truth, the word of the gospel, the word of the kingdom. Be intentional about that. You know, this whole evangelism thing, and sometimes I avoid that word because I know how we feel about it, but this whole evangelism thing, let's break that down and make it manageable, right? What can you do to be more intentional in your evangelism, in your sharing the good news with others? I'll tell you one thing. It's so simple. You just pray. <laughs> Identify the people in your life who don't yet know Jesus, and pray for them. You can do that, right? You can do that. In fact, you want to take it to the next level, you sit down with pen and paper and write those names down. Here's who I'm praying for. Before having a conversation, before, just pray. Pray for those people. That's something you can do. Here's something else you can do. All right, step one, pray. Invite. <laughs> just invite them to come out to worship with you, right? There's lots of things that you can do, and you can prepare your message. You, you can prepare how you're going to talk to somebody else about Jesus. That's great, and you should do those things, but let's take this one step at a time. How about you invite them into this space and let us, as your church family, help you as an individual, right? Invite. Pray. Invite. I'll give you one more. There's plenty of other things you can do. I'll get, I'll, we'll limit it to three today, right? Pray, invite, and bless. Bless those people in your life who do not yet know Jesus. Now, I've switched up our terminology a little bit. I used to say serve, and serve is great. Serve those people in your life who don't yet know Jesus, but I want to open this up to, let's think about blessing. Do something good for those people. Show them, the people in your life who don't yet know Jesus, show them that you love them. Bless them in some way. Take them to lunch. Take them to breakfast. Give them a little gift basket if that's your thing. It's not my thing, but maybe it's your thing. Do a little gift basket, okay? Do something to show them that you love them. Bless them in some way. This past week, I had a friend take me out to lunch. I was like, are you kidding me? Just took me out to lunch and paid for it. Just a little, just a little blessing. Just to let me know that he's invested in my life and cares about me. Oh, how wonderful is that? Yes? Just do that for other people. That's one way that you can get them ready to receive the gospel, and you might think, Josh, isn't that kind of buttering somebody up, right? Just buttering them up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? You're showing them you're invested. You're showing them that you care. And so when you speak the words that articulate the gospel, it will matter to them because they know that you care and are invested. And so, if again, this is a big if. If you want to be fruitful, you've got to strengthen your roots and then be intentional about scattering the seeds of the gospel. You've got to strengthen your roots and be intentional about scattering those seeds. And if we do these things, we can avoid those, those difficult feelings when it comes to evangelism. You know, we don't have to feel guilty about not doing it, and we don't have to feel nervous about doing it. No, 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 no. All we have to do is just do it. <laughs> not feel guilty about it, not be nervous about it. And when we do these things, we will be fruitful. We can't, we can't control how people respond. That's not our job. And it, it, there's freedom in that. We can't control how somebody responds to the gospel. It's just our job to share it with others and let God do the heavy lifting. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for being the original sower, coming down to earth, for your willingness to share the truth with us. And Father God, I pray that you would allow us to be a fruitful congregation, allow us to be a fruitful people. Let us take the word that we have received from you and let us share it with others. Let us be intentional about strengthening our own roots and intentional about our efforts to evangelize the people we love who don't yet know you, Jesus, as their Savior. Father God, we thank you for this time you've given us to worship you in this space. And now this time as ever, we pray that our worship of you would continue. Jesus, let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you by the way that we love and serve and bless others. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.